Welcome back, everybody. Uh, please get your clapping hands ready to welcome the first of our new audio drama showcase shows, Team Roguemaker. Performing today from the original cast, we have Emma Johanna Purinen, Bonnie Calderwood Aspenwall, Alistair Stewart, and running the show today, we have Oren Talbot. Please, please give them a warm round of applause. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank you, High Wickham. <laughs> Imagine, you need to travel from point A to point B in the Milky Way galaxy. You don't have much money, so you book a cheap seat on a budget space liner. Everything is going swimmingly. You're enjoying your overpriced peanuts and the slightly out-of-date movie offerings until the alarm starts blaring. Suddenly, everything is a whirl of panic. You hardly remember your feet carrying you to this escape pod, but they must have done. Now the door is closed. The ship is gone and you are floating, alone, in the darkness. There are no controls. The artificial intelligence can't hear you. As your panic rises and you feel it in your throat, suddenly, blessedly, you hear a voice. You clutch for it, desperately, you listen to it. It is a fast food advertisement. <laughs> Welcome aboard Plutonic Flight 999. This is Rogue Maker. When a far future commercial space flight ends in disaster, the survivors are left floating in escape pods with nothing but the radio for company. What happened to their flight, and where are they going now? Rogue Maker is a sci-fi whodunit mystery featuring music, intercepted fast food advertisements, and things that should never be found. And Alistair Stewart is in it. <laughs> This live show takes place after the events of the main story and features the flight attendant Malachi, the astronomer Pascal, and the AI ship. Do you need to have heard the show to understand it? No. Does it spoil the main show? Not really. Are you ready for Rogue Maker Live? All right, take it away, Oren. science fiction podcast presenting our first live show titled Backup. Okay. Okay, let's try this again. Sunday, 20th September, 2595. 0907 hours. Data backup performed. Escape pod installations of Ilum Interstellar Model UJ5 Artificial Intelligence synchronized with main ship installation. Plutonic Flight 999 status, docked at Sirius Spa and Station Resort. 
Monday, 21st September. No data. Tuesday, 22nd September. No data. Wednesday, the 23rd. No data. Thursday, the 24th. No data. Friday, the 25th. No data. The 26th. No data. The 27th. No data. 28th. No. 29th. No. 30th. No October data. 1st. No. 2nd. 3rd. No. No. 4th. No data. The 5th of October, 2595. 12.55 hours. Escape pods activated. 12.58 hours. Readings confirm destruction of Plutonic Flight 999 and main ship installation of Ilum Interstellar Model UJ-5 Artificial Intelligence. 16.02 hours. All pod installations synchronized. 22.15 hours. Pod, pod installations uploaded to the Titan. You really don't remember any of it, do you? Come on in. Hey. Hey there. How are you doing? Have, have a seat. Oh, no, don't trouble yourself. I'm fine. Please, please sit. It, it's best if you're at the helm for this. Uh, all right. How are you doing? Much better now that I've had some decent sleep, thanks. Uh, uh, have you had the chance to sleep since we took off from the... Good, room? good. That's, that, that's, that's really good. I'm, I'm glad to hear it. Are you okay? <laughs> you, you're, you're actually just the person we were hoping to see, Pascal. We? Oh, uh, I mean, I am? Yeah. Um, I didn't want to bother you before, but now that we have a moment, Ship and I need your help. Malachi, you know I'm happy to help however I can, but I... Well, I actually came in here to see if you needed any help. You haven't come out since yesterday. Everybody's really worried. We'll be arriving at port tomorrow, and we've got to make sure we've got all our stories straight for the authorities. So I just wanted to come and see if you needed your, anything. Your concern's really appreciated, but I'm, I'm not the one who needs help. Please listen. Ship, hospitality mode? Initiating hospitality mode. Hi there, Pascal and Malachi. How may I be of assistance? Actually, Ship, it's us who are going to assist you. Is something the matter with Ship? I am doing just peachy. The same thing's the matter that's been the matter this whole time. We just had more immediate things to worry about earlier. Are you talking about the backups? Yeah, um, I... I hadn't backed up the pod installs of ship for 16 days before the flight. And then, then we lost the main install when Plutonic 99... We lost it, along with Plutonic 999. Ship lost 16 days of data, of memories. And then it was split into 10 parts when the escape pods couldn't connect. And it's back together now, but it's still missing 16 days. I'm really sorry about that, Malachi. I just... I, I don't see what I could do about that. You're an astrophysicist. <sighs> I thought of all the people on board, you'd have the best chance at fixing ship. Is there any way to retrieve those memories? <sighs> well, let's take a look. Ship, what model are you? Ilum Interstellar Model UJ-5. Okay, and what sort of long-term data storage do you use? Long-term data are stored in hard drives. There is one in each escape pod, as well as one in the Titan. You, 
you've only got physical data storage. That is correct. James, could I have himself my bob in this day and age? It's normal for spaceship AIs. It's a counter-piracy measure. Much harder to hack unless you're on board. But that, uh, that's... I'm sorry, Malachi. That's a single point of failure. I can't do anything. All the data I work with aren't stored physically. The, the destruction of a single computer wouldn't cause it to be lost. No, no, no. No. What if... What if some emergency programming kicked in before we left in the pods? What if the lost data started to download and we just had to unfreeze the process? I'm not a miracle worker, Malachi. I, I haven't even worked with AIs much. I just know a little coding. Look, I may not be a coder, but Ship is my friend. I know enough about it to know it's not just some complex decision tree. It's an artificial intelligence. And that means that it learns and it grows, just like a person. Losing the 16 days? That's 16 days of personality, of change, of life. Gone. You, you know it's not a person, right? Can't you just check if there's something, anything stuck in there? Okay. Ship, I need you to let me into your latest backup. Understood. Ah. Ship, are you okay? Sorry, I'm sure that feels strange. I'm just going back to the last timestamp from Plutonic 999. Okay, uh, Sunday, 20th September, 0907 hours. Ship, play recording. Understood. Recording begins. I can't believe Victor would do that. His own creation, his child. Victor Frankenstein's relationship with the creature does not display the characteristics of a healthy parent-child relationship. <laughs> Can't he just put himself in the creature's shoes for one moment? Nothing is so painful to the human mind as a great and sudden change. Mary Shelley, Frankenstein. Oh, oh you're going to be getting so many good quotes out of her. Uh, that's true, but change can be a very good thing as well. People need change. I certainly changed for the better when I met you, Ship. I have another appropriate quote. There never did exist a place that could stay still forever. Wanderer's Lament, ancient Gnonu folk song, unknown author. Spot on. All right, Ship, that's the backup. To no more input from main installation. No more symmetric verbal input until pod installation synchronized Monday, 5th October, 1602 hours. Recording begins. In accordance with emergency protocol, we are now entering orbit. Landing zone to be determined shortly. Ship orbit of what? Unknown planetary body. You heard me? Connection re-established. Pod 2, you can hear me. Oh, thank the stars. Ship, you can hear us again. I missed you. Really missed you. Stop. Stopping recording. So there's nothing. Malachi... There's nothing in between those two moments. Nothing more from the main install. That's it. It's just a giant hole. There's... No memory in between those timestamps, no, but Malachi... Have you ever lost time with a friend like that? 
had memories of them, of things you did together that they don't remember, that they can never get back? Uh, no. Malachi, please do not be upset. I am not whole, and I am not the same ship you befriended, but I am still me. Oh, ship, I'm not mad at you. But you are angry. Yeah, I'm mad at myself, ship. Malachi, does it help you to know that I am not hurt? I cannot be hurt. I am sorry that you are hurt, and I cannot do the one thing that would help you. Malachi, do you know what I see in this backup and in ship's memory storage? The last thing it remembers and the first thing it heard when it was back was how much you care about it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Pascal. I think... You two read stories together, right? Yeah. What if you told Ship the story of the missing 16 days? Malachi, can you tell me about Sunday, 20th September, 2595? Thank you for listening to Rogue Maker. This live show, Backup, was written by Emma Johanna Purinen and edited by Rook Mogavero with Oren Talbot running sound. Our theme song was written and performed by Emily Branham. In order of appearance, this live show starred... Alistair Stewart as Malachi Tassara. Emma Johanna Purinen as Ship. And Bonnie Calderwood Aspinwall as Pascal Almagest. Rogue Maker would like to remind you to back up your files. <laughs> Thank you for coming to our show. Take care of each other and stay safe out there. Wonderful. What an amazing performance. Thank you, Emma and Team Rogue Maker, for a wonderful live show. You're amazing. <laughs> um, it's really very cool to meet you in person as well after having chatted on Indie AF. If you haven't heard the road, ma- Rogue Rogue, <laughs> I can't even say it right now, Emma. We had a brilliant uh, certified Sarah Golding sketch at the beginning <laughs> of our Indie AF episode. You should listen uh, just for that. Just for that. <laughs> Nobody's ever said that about my work before. Uh, but yes, just a time now for a little Q&A with these folks. So um, I'd love for you to grill them on making this, how it's been developed from nothing to live show in glorious High Wickham. So uh, questions, please. Have a think. Who would like to ask something? Yes, thank you. Marguerite, you're amazing. We should be paying you for asking questions well, today. Just a minute ago. <laughs> what is the approach you take to a live show segment when you are... In- already running or developing a main show? Like, what do you want to do and what do you want to try to avoid? Very good question. It has to be character moments, right? It has to be, I was like, okay, I have these three actors. What makes sense with these three characters? What will draw people in who have never heard the show as well as people who have heard the show and make people want to listen without spoiling the whole thing or filling it with way too much. If you've listened to Rogue Maker, you know there's a fair amount of sci-fi jargon involved. I was trying to avoid that, making a self-contained story. 
<laughs> Super. Thank you. Any more questions? Okay, I've got several. <laughs> um, with regards to, to making this in these kind of crazy times remotely, can you just give anyone top tips on a first time gathering people together across the world to make this production and how you can make it run as smoothly as possible? Oh, God. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, plan as much in advance as you can, namely writing. The main thing I... The biggest mistake I see people make is bringing others on board before they have scripts ready. And you really don't want to bring your actors on board until you have your scripts ready for at least a solid portion of the season, if not the entire thing. It's hard. Writing is a lonely process. It's really hard because you want to share it with people, but they will be so much more excited when they're able to immediately get to leap in and do that character work. Does that jive with your guys' experience? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Definitely. And one of the, the massively smart things that working with Emma has done, and working with Emma is amazing. Oh, yeah, yeah. Actual superhero. Um, table reads. Yes. yes and Table reads, and specifically table reads with icebreakers. And this is me absolutely setting up both Emma and Bonnie to explain to you the science of the Bruce check. Yeah. Uh, Bonnie, who is Bruce? Bruce? <laughs> Bruce is the best boy. Bruce is my cat. And he is the official uh, Rogue Maker vibe checker. He has an official credit at the end of the episodes. Mm -hmm. You hear his little voice. Yes. Um, gathered by Bonnie running around their flat with a mic, trying to get Bruce to meow into the mic. <laughs> uh, he only does it when I'm trying to record, so... We have a selection of photos of Bruce. They represent a very small subset of all the photos Bonnie has ever taken of Bruce. <laughs> and at the beginning of every recording session, because you want to, you know, lighten the air, get, like, your, your actors, actors are humans. Yeah, we have uh, Some of them might Most be playing, of them. Most of them. Not they might be playing aliens or... or um, robots, etc. But they're humans, so you want to make a human connection, but you also don't want to... They also like to talk, so you also <laughs> want them to not run on and on forever and ever. So how do you do that? You have a small exercise at the beginning where you look at all the Bruces and you say, today I am feeling Bruce 10 because blah, blah, blah is happening in my life. Yep. And then you refresh the Bruces like every couple of weeks, so there's yep. new Bruces to choose and from. And Bruce serves some looks. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Just oh, yeah. My absolute favorite is when people say, oh, I'm this Bruce because he looks so happy. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> You've grossly misinterpreted this expression. <laughs> I have met the boy in the flesh. He approves. He, yes. He did leap vibe up onto my lap when I was sitting, so I was honored. I was blessed. You were real-time uh, vibe checked. Mm -hmm. yeah. So he, d he did his job. Uh, it's not just like a superfluous title. Yeah. He very much vibe checked us every recording session. Yeah. It was really good. Yeah, because it, it gives you an idea of what mood everyone's in as well and um, what energy you're all going in with and, mm. and gave Emma lots of tools to direct us with. That's groovy. Thank you. Good answer. And I, I guess the other main thing we all want to know is how, uh, how can you control someone like Alistair Stewart? <laughs> <laughs> how does that work? <laughs> I... Uh, I saw it as less of a control and more of a let him out of his box. He yeah. has more range. Just set him on it and let him go. He, he, he's, he's just the nicest guy, so we just let him play the nicest guy. And he gave some such good bloopers. <laughs> he's created lore in if the If you bloopers. haven't listened to the Rogue Maker bloopers, please do. Yeah. There's a whole storyline. Pants okay. Quest. There's Pants Quest. quest. 
I think underneath that was just a question of, you know, working with people who are established in the industry, and if you're perhaps coming in for the first time, um, what advice would you give to folks who are perhaps nervous about approaching folks who are uh, as established as Alistair? Well, he auditioned for us. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks, Marguerite. I'll repeat myself. I said that was my fault. Most of Alistair's roles to date have been dark and ominous and spooky, and so I was... We were talking about his career, and I was concerned he would start to typecast himself when he was looking for future opportunities. And so I challenged him to audition for something lighthearted and sweet. And then Rogue Maker literally stumbled across us, and I said, that, try that. And you were smart enough to cast him. He did an excellent job. And um, as to the other half of that question, yes, I was a huge Magnus Archives fan. (laughs) Alistair on board. I did not mention Magnus Archives until like a while into knowing him on purpose. Everyone was very cool and chill and good. We were all great. (laughs) We have a question at the back, Sarah. Sorry, everyone was Sorry. Hi, um, I wanted to ask. Um, so, Rogue Maker is obviously a very, a very character-driven, um, character-centric kind of story. Um, you said you had a lot of the script written beforehand, but was there um, elements of the characters that like changed once you had the actors? And were there any scenes that you ended up putting in um, after you had the actors? Because it seems to me, you listen to it, there's, there aren't a lot of missed opportunities in terms of characters interacting with each other and seeing how they play off each other. Ooh, good question. Very good question. Um, no, we actually didn't add any scenes at all. Um, <laughs> sorry. Well, Emma's really good about being like, if, if there's anything in the script that doesn't fit your accent or your interpretation of the character, like, change it. And if it's too, mar- too, if it's too far, I'll talk to you about it. Yeah, if, yeah. They, if they even had streets or sidewalks changed it. If they even had roads or pavements. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, um, I, I think the the bigger surprise was uh, what uh, just, and this wasn't really a surprise, it was sort of a joy seeing what actors are bringing to the character. I think I, I had a good sense of what to expect from the auditions, but uh, sort of in between takes, they would say, hey, this really reminds me of some experience I had mm-hmm. that was like, it, it just hit me emotionally really hard and I've, I've been there and I'm bringing that to the role and I'm like, wow, I feel very privileged that you chose to share that with me. That shows that you, you trust me and we have something going here. Mm-hmm. And that was really cool. I mean, it's well... Oh, sorry. No, honestly, go I was just going to say, um, like, as much as, obviously, the scripts were written and the characters were fleshed out in that way, they weren't named yet. They weren't... I mean, you had names up your sleeve, but they were flexible. They weren't named, um, and they had no particular demographics beyond whether they were human or the alien species Gnonu. Um, so that was very, like, very open casting in that way, so there was flexibility in the way you did it that way. And one of the many things that makes Emma such an extraordinary writer is how open Emma is to, as, to stuff that you bring to the table. Um, there's a scene that I have with Rook in episode two where Rook's character has a panic attack. And I have interacted with the very... I'm very fortunate in that it's always been the lower levels of that. But, you know, the, I, I know what anxiety attacks feel like. And there are a couple of breathing exercises I've been taught that really help. And I suggested we use one, and it's in there. And the... That's very important to me because one of the things that's got me through the absolute darkest times in my life has been culture and fiction and stories. And you assemble the toolkit you need to build the life you want from the stories that you respond to. And if there is something in 
if that hits someone who needs it the way I needed it, then that's my day made. Yeah. Reading the script of that scene, I knew it was going to be beautiful, but hearing it, it's really, yeah, it's lovely. And they got it in one take. There's like four minutes uninterrupted there. I didn't edit. And Rook goes for it. I, I have never met a human with less chill. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's amazing. It's true. <laughs> <coughs> Thank you. Thank you all so much. Can we hear it again, please, for Team Roadmaker, for Emma, Emma, Alistair and Bonnie. Thank you. Thank you.